This week in KMA Land, student hazing incident causes Clarenda School turmoil. Tempers flare over Shen Council's subdivision rejection. Shen officials seek title to dilapidated property. SHS CTE housing project progresses. And we'll review the results of some big bond issue votes this week. I'm Mike Peterson. Controversy over an alleged hazing incident came to a head in the Clarenda School District this week when authorities announced no charges would be filed in connection with the incident. Clarenda Police Chief Keith Brothers confirmed to KMA News Clarenda School District officials contacted his office in late August to assist in the investigation into the incident at Clarenda High School in which two students allegedly harassed another student. This was occurring shortly after a... um first period class, I believe that they refer to as a, a weightlifting class. It's a, some type of a physical education class that they have out there at the Clorinda High School. The allegations were that the victim, the young man, was being uh, made to do um, push-ups, and I believe he was ma- being made to uh, do these push-ups in a shower facility. And then also that there were allegations made that the young man had uh, been urinated on in the leg area, also as a part of this uh, bullying, harassment, and hazing incident. After interviewing numerous witnesses and working in cooperation with school officials, Brothers says his department opted not to file criminal charges against the students involved and to allow the district to handle the situation internally. I am comfortable that the quarter um, in the school district took appropriate action and uh, married it out uh, what discipline and they felt was warranted in the situation. However, Brothers stresses that bullying of any sort should not be condoned. I hope that um, messages were conveyed that uh, this type of behavior is extremely inappropriate. It's illegal and it's inappropriate and everybody just needs to uh, be kind to everyone and uh, bullying and harassment and hazing is uh, not acceptable. The decision not to file charges created an uproar among Clarenda residents, including parents who voiced their frustration over the incident following Wednesday afternoon's Clarenda School Board meeting. Eric Gross, whose child is a freshman in high school, says he believes more needs to be communicated with parents in regards to 712 principal Luke Cox's investigation and what the district heard from their respective students in their statements to the district. Somebody above him needs to contact what I believe every freshman that was on that football team's parents, and we need detailed information of what's going on. I know I'm not going to get another kid's statement because I know that's not, it's against, you know, it's not legal. But I haven't even been able to see my own son's statement to see what's going on. Gross and several parents also allege that students, including their own, are scared of the possible social repercussions of stepping forward due to what Gross says is a lack of protection from the district. Clarinda Superintendent Jeff Privia previously told KMA News that Cox had concluded the district's portion of the investigation earlier this month. However, Gross questioned why the school didn't notify him when his student was called in to give a statement regarding the investigation after explicitly asking the district to do so. Now, where in any facet is a 14-year-old kid who's coming into his own maturity and going 100,000 miles an hour just trying to fit in the first two weeks of school, where is he allotted to be called to the office by himself and put on point and then given a statement knowing that it's in small-town Iowa and as soon as he gives a statement, word's going to get out whether it was private or not. That's why those boys didn't give proper statements and that's why nothing's being done right now. 
Priva replied the district is within its rights to take a statement from a student in the presence of school staff and counselors. Several parents also questioned whether the punishment was strict enough for the two accused students. But Privia, during the discussion following adjournment, says further action would have to go beyond the school district due to harsher penalties falling outside school policy. We have our discipline, the maximum discipline that we can hand out, we have handed out according to our policy. And you're done with that. Others called for a review of the student handbook and district policy in regards to harassment or even sexual assault and to do with a committee that could include parents. However, Privius says some adjustments have already been made within the locker rooms. He encouraged parents wanting to know more about the possibility of criminal charges or lack of pursuing charges from law enforcement to contact Lorinda Police. The superintendent declined further comment on the topic following discussion to preserve student privacy. Shenandoah's mayor and council members clashed Tuesday night over the rejection of a proposed housing subdivision. By a 3-2 vote, the Shenandoah City Council rejected a resolution approving the covenants, conditions, easements, and restrictions for the proposed Parkwood Estate subdivision. Plans call for developing six lots for future single- and two-family dwellings in the Parkwood Estates area in the city's southern sector. Council members Richard Jones, Tony Graham, and Kim Swank voted against the proposal. Jones cited a lack of information in council members' packets regarding the covenants and other specifics associated with the subdivision as his reason for voting against it. That's despite the Shenandoah Planning and Zoning Commission's recommendation in favor of the proposal at its August 4th meeting. My only problem with that is you're asking me to vote for something I haven't seen the detail. So, I don't know. I mean, I get that you're recommending it, but I haven't seen anything on it. There's nothing in here. City Administrator A.J. Lyman expressed willingness to provide Jones and other council members the covenants and other information Planning and Zoning Commission members received on the project. City Attorney Milan Sorensen added it's the Planning and Zoning Commission's job to make recommendations on matters to the council. An angered mayor, Roger McQueen, blasted the council for rejecting the subdivision proposal. I personally think it's absolutely ridiculous that the Planning and Zoning Board has recommended this to the council why the council does not approve it. Every time we have a count or another committee recommend something to us, it seems like I don't understand it. I mean, the Park of Rec recommended to do this, and, and we have to have a discussion about it. I was at that hearing, and, or, and I understand what the planning and zoning is doing on this. I, I don't get why this is so complicated. Council members Rita Gibson and John Eric Ratner voted in favor. Ratner says it's a council member's responsibility to do their homework and ask city officials questions on matters. If I have a question about something. Granted, there are times I bring it up at council, but I also feel that it's somewhat our responsibility as council members to do our due diligence after getting our packets on Friday to follow up with some of those questions with the appropriate parties or a member of the Planning and Zoning Board. By a 4-1 to vote, the council also rejected an agreement between the city, Parkwood LLC, and Cornerstone Fellowship Church for the development of a cul-de-sac within a portion of the proposed subdivision and church property. Gibson joined Jones, Graham, and Swank in voting against the proposal. Bratner cast the lone vote in favor. McQueen expects the subdivision proposal to be resubmitted at the next regular council meeting August 27th. 
Meanwhile, efforts to eradicate nuisance properties continues in Shenandoah. At that same Tuesday night meeting, the council approved a resolution to seek the title to a structure at 202 Wabash Avenue. Council members took action following a public hearing requested by the property's owner, Robert Hammers, who recently received a letter from the city declaring it a nuisance. City Attorney Balan Sorensen says Hammers gained the title through a tax deed in November of 2021, but the city filed legal documents to take over the abandoned property's title in June of this year. The windows are broken, the inside's been partially stripped out. It looks like from the windows that the copper, copper thieves have everything they stripped it all out. And uh, I visited with Mr. Hammer. The city's ready to, to take title to the property. The uh, action in, in the lawsuit's ready. Uh, if, if something doesn't change, I mean, I could take title next week. We could have title. We've gone through the process. Councilwoman Tony Graham made the motion to seek the structure's title, saying the city should handle it the way it addresses other properties. Some Shenandoah High School students are doing their best to address nuisance properties in the community. Back in February, the Shenandoah City Council approved the sale of a vacant property at 213 West Sheridan Avenue to the Shenandoah School District for $1. One month later, students in the high school's industrial tech classes launched a full-scale renovation of the dilapidated structure as part of the district's career technical education programming. Denise Green is the district's K-12 Ignite coordinator. Green tells KMA News nine students are involved in the project this semester. These kids go to school in the morning and they do, basically they're reading math, science, social studies, and they pick up an elective if they have an elective. But this class um, is part of their elective credits. And so they're here about two hours a day, and we'll get um, three credits for, from high school. Shenandoah High Industrial Tech instructor Jay Sweet says students cleaned out a lot of stuff during the spring and summer. He says considerable progress has been made on the building's interior and exterior since then. Now the house inside is totally gutted, and we have a, a new floor put in there. And right now they're working on the back of the house and the footings and the foundation. And uh, everybody's got it. They've got seven boys, and each one of them's got a different responsibility. And uh, so hopefully we're going to get this thing closed up before the snow flies and so we can be working inside. Assisting the students are an advisory group plus donations of materials from local industries. Once this project is completed this school year, SHS officials hope to work with the city to acquire another property for the next student housing rehab effort. Some major bond issue referendums met with mixed results across KMA land this week. Voters in the Hamburg School District approved a $3.1 million bond issue Tuesday by the narrowest of margins. Unofficial results in the Fremont County Auditor's Office show the referendum received 60.34% of the vote, just over the required 60% supermajority. Passage paves the way for expansion and renovation projects at Marnie Simons Elementary School, including an 8,000-square-foot fitness center serving both students and local residents, a 250-seat auditorium for both student and community performances, and construction of two additional classrooms, meaning the demands for the district's makerspace programming for K-8 students. In a previous interview with KMA News, Superintendent Dr. Mike Wells said the bond issue would not increase taxes. Our taxes in Hamburg are the lowest in the area. We have $11.18 per thousand at our tax rate for the school. The bond issue would be for a $2.70 tax levy, but we will pay that with our Uh, penny sales tax money and our pebble.
but we do have the ability to pay for some of it if we needed to as an extra tax rate, but that is not the intent of the board. Revenues from the district's physical plant and equipment levy funds, plus its share of the Secured Advanced Vision for Education or SAVE revenues, would cover the bond issue. Fremont County's Board of Supervisors must canvass the votes in order to make the results official. Another close vote took place in the Harlan School District, where voters approved a $22.9 million bond issue by 60.31%. Proceeds in the bond issue cover significant facility renovations, including construction of a new intermediate facility to house five sections of third through fifth graders. In a previous interview with KMA News, Harlan School Superintendent Jenny Barnett said the new facility would provide further learning and collaboration opportunities for students and staff. It would also have some newer instructional spaces that are much more flexible so that you can um, work outside the classroom, maybe not in a hallway, but in a pod. And you can open up your classroom door to another third grade teacher's door, if that's who you're teaching with, and, and do some things collaboratively. So it just gives us lots more options, and it would upgrade all of the systems within the intermediate building. Plans also include multiple projects at the current high school, including renovations to the auditorium and updates to nearly all classrooms. And Clarinda school officials received good news in an otherwise difficult week with the voter approval of the district's revenue purpose statement. Unofficial results from Page County Auditor Melissa Wellhausen show the measure passing by a 99 to 18 margin or with 84 percent of the vote. In Iowa, districts are required to have a voted revenue purpose statement in order to spend money from the Secured Advanced Vision for Education or SAVE fund. The passage on Tuesday clears Clarinda to spend funds from SAVE through 2051. The RPS is not a new tax but a continuation of a levy already in place. On the flip side, another bond issue referendum failed in the Creston School District. Combined results on the union in Adams County Auditor's Office show the $24.9 million bond issue rejected by a vote of 817 to 812. It was the second attempt at passing a bond issue in the district this year. A similar vote fell about 4% short of the 60% in March. Likewise, Adams County residents said no to an $8.5 million bond issue for a major renovation of the county's courthouse. Unofficial results from the Adams County Auditor's Office show the measure received 238 no votes to 229 in favor. In a previous interview with KMA News, Supervisors Chair Doug Burt said an essential item revolves around not only providing significant space for the Sheriff's Office, but also a more secure mode for transporting prisoners. No longer compliant to today's standards and, and putting it in a position to uh, better the courthouse security from transporting um, or uh, people in jail up to court on the third floor. So it'll be a secure elevator that can be used uh, from the backside from the sheriff's department. Other proposed projects included an expansion of the ground floor south to accommodate space needs for improvements to the HVAC and air quality systems within the structure. County officials had planned to use around a million dollars from other county funds, including the American Rescue Plan Act. Shenandoah residents once again paused last Friday afternoon to remember a dark day in history. Shenandoah High School trumpeters playing taps at the end of the traditional Patriots Day ceremony in Bogart Park. 
A host of local officials participated in the ceremony marking the 21st anniversary of the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks at the World Trade Center in New York and the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and the crash of a hijacked jetliner near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen was among the ceremony speakers. McQueen says residents attend the ceremony each year for many reasons. We're all here because we, we are remembering one of the saddest days in uh, our country's history. And you're here because a lot of you are like me. You're going to remember this for the rest of your lives. This is something that happened that we will probably always remember and hopefully we can always honor with Patriots Day. Brent Anderson is exalted ruler of Shenandoah's Elks Lodge post number 1122. Anderson says the 9-11 attacks drew a wide range of memories. Most of us can remember exactly where we were or what we were doing when we first heard or saw the news of what was unfolding when that first plane hit the first Twin Tower. Some of us have personal memories of family or friends impacted by the attacks. All of the stories or memories of those who died or lost loved ones have become a part of our shared history. Anderson also reminded attendees of how the events of that day unified the country. One thing in particular is how our communities across the country came together, the great people of this country. We did not know much about the organization or the people behind the attacks, yet we united to care for one another, to support one another, and to face uncertainty together. Shenandoah American Legion Post 88 Commander Joe Jarden hopes residents also remember the lessons learned on that day. It's a very important. It's to remind us what can't happen if we let our guard down across the world. We realize that may help us to realize that peace is not free, that many men and women have given their lives as well as a lot of time and talent to defend this great country we have. This year's Patriots Day ceremony was held two days early because September 11th fell on a Sunday this year. Iowa's longest-running community theater organization celebrated a banner year Saturday evening. Approximately 65 people attended the Southwest Iowa Theater Group's annual meeting and awards banquet at the Elks Lodge in Shenandoah. It was a big night for Swiddick's production of Junie B. Jones. The spring musical received the Best Production Award for the 2021-22 season. Director Pam Lewis praised her cast for their efforts. It wasn't a group of individuals. It was an ensemble. Everybody fed off each other. They helped each other. If, if there were struggles, they just picked each other up and off they went. Lewis herself received the Best Bit Performance Award for her role in The Rubber Room. Julie Mern, who played the title role in Junie B. Jones, was named Best Actress. Mern, who served as Swiddick Board President for 2021-22, told King MA News the theater organization enjoyed an amazing season. You know, ever since the closure of many businesses for COVID-19, we have come back stronger than we ever have. We came back with lots of donations from patrons and did some renovations on our building. And we came back with lots of offerings for adults and kids alike. Um, this season was a banner year for sure. Two of Murren's fellow Junie B. Jones cast members also snared acting awards, Megan Beery for Best Supporting Actress and Dean Atkins for Best Supporting Actor. In addition, Tommy Hanna was named Best Actor for his role in The Mousetrap. And John Henderson was this year's Swiddick Service Award recipient. Attendees also received previews of the theater group's production scheduled for 2022, including Farce of Habit the last two weekends in October. That wraps up this week in KMA Land.
Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com, where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.